My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Sedaris, and I just have a few words I want to share with you. If this is your first time with us, thank you for being here. Uh, this is our second year of doing this, where we do stories and songs, where we hear from people uh, about what God's been doing, how he's been showing up, because he didn't just show up 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus. He shows up each and every day across the globe, not just in our city, but in every city, as he brings his presence in full measure. And so we want you to know about that. We want you to hear about what Jesus is doing. Um, sometimes you can hear a pastor talk and think, oh, that's just his job. He's got to talk about this. But God is moving in powerful ways uh, in the people of our church and the people of this city, uh, and we want him to move in powerful ways in your life as well. So let me just share just a few thoughts that I had uh, this week uh, reading the, the story of Jesus' birth, and I'm actually going to be in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew is one of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you wanted to pull it up on your phone, you can. I'll just be referencing in it, so it's, it's uh, not necessary, but I'll actually be talking about the story that Ryan read here about the Magi. And it's a really interesting account of these wise men, these magi that came from a far country because they saw a star in the sky. So what, what is going on? The beginning of Matthew chapter 2 says this, now Jesus, or sorry, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. What an interesting thing. Now, who are these wise men? Uh, most scholars believe these were probably Persian priestly astrologers. So uh, they were studying the stars. They were probably studying ancient documents from all over the region, including probably the Hebrew scriptures, the scriptures of the people of Israel. And they had heard about a star that would signal the birth of the new king of Israel. And they were watching the sky, and in the sky they saw such a star. And they left their hometown. They packed up a caravan. It's probably not like you've seen in the pictures, just three dudes on three camels walking across the desert. They probably brought a lot of people with them for a long journey. Um, we call that a posse around here. And so the posse is going through the desert, and they're on their way, and they come up to Jerusalem, which was the capital city of Israel. Why would they go to Jerusalem? Because as if you know the story, Jesus wasn't born in Jerusalem. He was born in Bethlehem, a tiny town about six miles south of Jerusalem. But they go to Jerusalem. Why would they do that? Because in Jerusalem, that's where kings live. So, of course, they would think they see a star in the sky pointing them towards Israel, and they go to the capital city. And they go and they meet Herod, the current king, who was a puppet king. He wasn't an actual uh, he, he had the power of a king, but he wasn't God's anointed one. So uh, let me just pick up the story. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Why was he troubled? Because he knew his power was threatened. But it wasn't just Herod that was troubled. It says, and all Jerusalem with him was troubled. All Jerusalem with him was troubled. This is part of the story I hadn't even thought about. I knew that Herod had been troubled when he'd heard this news, but all of Jerusalem was stirred up. Why would this be? Why would all Jerusalem be stirred up? Well, Jesus has this interesting thing about him. Whenever his name is mentioned, there's a weight to it, almost like a gravitational pull, and it stirs things up, creates havoc. People started to get worried. What does this mean, this king being born? 
What does it mean, this Jesus, when you say his name in our city? What you'll find, you say his name, things start to happen. Things that if you just mention God, you just mention church, you just mention religion, nothing happens. You bring the name Jesus in and something happens. There's a gravitational pull that stirs things up as people try to fight and remove themselves. So all of Jerusalem, not just the king, was stirred up when these wise men, these magi from the east, come into the city looking for a newborn king. Now Herod, he didn't understand what they were talking about when they talked about this star and they talked about these predictions because he himself was not a man of God. He didn't understand the scriptures that predicted this. And so he called together and assembled, verse 4, chapter 2, the chief priests and the scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born, and they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet Micah, and you, he's quoting now, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So they knew it was Bethlehem. So Heron summoned the wise men secretly to ascertain from them at what time the star had appeared. He says, when did this star appear to you? Now, most people think that the wise men showed up right after Jesus was born. But what we, if we continue to read the story, what we realize is Herod actually will go send men, soldiers, to Bethlehem to kill all the boys um, who had been born two years ago or earlier. So probably what the wise men said is, Sometime, a year and a half ago, a year ago, and, and Herod, uh, we saw the star, so Herod goes ahead and tries to wipe out all the boys under the age of two. That's why he's asking what time, and he does this all secretly. And so he sent them, Herod did, to Bethlehem, saying, go, search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Obviously, he's lying. After listening to the king, the wise men went on their way, and behold, the star that, had been, uh, that they had seen when it rose, probably a couple years ago, went before them again until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. You see, when you follow by faith, Evidence that God puts into the world that Jesus is his son. And you see that evidence and you see those steps of faith come to fruition. This is what it leads to. Great joy. They rejoiced exceedingly. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opened their treasures they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. These are interesting men, astrologers from afar, who have followed evidence that God has placed into his creation that pointed them to the Son. Jesus being born. So there's three things I just, I just want to encourage us with from this story of the Magi. Just, just like in the stories of Tyler and Andrea, uh, who, brother and sister, you did a fantastic job. These men were stirred up. Stirred up by a move of God in their world. 
But that stirring up of God, that gravitational pull, needed them to act and respond in steps of faith. So they took steps of faith. And it led to their great joy. And it not only led to their great joy, it led to them encountering the person of Jesus and not asking him for gifts or him for blessing or him for some of his power. What did it lead them to? It led them to fall to their knees to worship and to give him gifts. They marveled at him. It is him who draws us in. It is him who we long to see again. It is Jesus, and he does these amazing things to us. And this is still happening today. When rumors of Jesus stir up in our city, all the people, just like all of Jerusalem, all of them, because of his name, because of the reality of who he is, because of the strange, unexplainable weight, people are drawn to it. Or people are repelled by it. It stirs people up. It's like a black hole. We can't quite understand it, but it draws us in. Its density is nothing that we've ever experienced before. His name is different. That still happens right now, in this moment. And people still fight that gravitational pull. They fight the drawing in because they fear it. They fear the unknown. They fear what he might do. They fear what he might mean to them, what power that he might take away, what freedoms he might restrict. But don't be afraid. The wise men were not afraid. You don't need to be afraid. You will not lose yourself when you find Jesus. You'll find yourself. You think you know yourself now, but when you meet him, you'll know yourself like you've never known yourself before. You don't need to be afraid by that strange, unexpected weight that follows the presence and name of Jesus everywhere it goes. The second thing from the story I want you to hear, when you stop fighting that weighty tug on your soul and you begin to follow its heartbeat where it's leading you closer and closer to Jesus, just know this, there is no conceivable way in God's world and the way that he set things up for you to meet the person of Jesus Christ face to face without faith. It will require faith. There is no such thing as meeting Jesus without faith. We see that in the story of the wise men. They needed to act in faith. Like love, it's helplessly mysterious, but it's the only way to actually come into contact with the real Jesus. You must begin to walk by faith, but here's what this faith is not. It's not blind. The wise men did not follow blind faith on their way to meet Jesus, did they? They followed a supernova in the sky that blasted the brilliance of God in a way that they could understand, and that was evidence enough for them to get on their camels and start walking. God never requires our faith to be blind. He always requires faith, though. The bright and brilliant supernova that brought the wise men, he'll give you that kind of evidence in your life. It might not be a star, it might be something else, but something's drawn you here this morning. Something will draw you again to Jesus, and you'll have a choice to make. Will I begin to take steps of faith towards him? Will this be your chance? In 2020, will you take the steps of faith necessary because of evidence that you've seen 
that begs you to come closer, begs you to investigate this person, this Jesus, who people speak about, who has this gravity about him? Will you take evidence-based steps to meet him face to face? And then finally, this is the last thing that we learn from the Magi, is this. When you actually meet him, and you'll know that you've actually met, maybe you've come to Christmas Eve services again and again and again, and here's how you can know if you've actually met him face to face, the real Jesus, not just, not just what other people say about him, but have you met him yourself? What happens to the Magi? They fall to their knees, they worship, and they give him gift. You will know that you've met Jesus when you cannot help it but bend your knee to his name. Bend your knee to the weight he brings into your life. And, and it's a bending in joy, and you won't be able to help but acoustic blast great things about Jesus. Just like Andrea and Tyler acoustic blasted their way to God's glory, you will worship by saying, you wouldn't believe this, Jesus. He's even greater than I thought he was. That's what happens. And then you'll find your fingers loosening around all those things that you cling to, all those treasures that you hold on to in your life. Your grip will loosen. That's what happens when you meet the real Jesus. You thought, I'd never be able to go to the national championship biking uh, competition and not be overcome with FOMO. But then I met Jesus. And you know what? It was easier than I thought. I'd never be able to let go of this story, this picture of what my life would be like in marriage. And then I met Jesus more fully, and my hands begin to loosen. Whatever that is that you cling on to and you hold tight to, when you meet Jesus face to face, you'll be so surprised, it'll be so unexpected that your hands will release and you'll start to see them for what they are. Good things, but not great things compared to the greatness of Jesus. That's my hope for you, that you will follow whatever star God's put in your life, whatever evidence that is exploding in, maybe even in this moment, you'll begin to take those steps until you meet face-to-face this Jesus who will transform you and change you in ways that you didn't think were possible to unexpected hope, peace, joy, love, and community. Would you pray with me as we ask God to do this? Father God, we thank you for your unexpected pursuit of us, the way that you explode into human history, that you explode into our lives, that you show your power and your worth in totally unexpected ways. You did it 2,000 years ago when you came to a town that nobody thought a king would be born in, to a woman who nobody thought was that important And you brought people from around the world, just like you do today, from every tongue, tribe, and nation, to see your son Jesus, God in the flesh, face to face, that they might encounter something truly holy and righteous and pure and good. And then when they meet that Jesus, you explain to them that your love for them is so deep that you sent Jesus into the world to die for them, to die for their sin to give them new life, life now and life everlasting by the power of Jesus as he comes into their life. God, if there's anyone in this room who wants Jesus to come into their life, to break in and transform, God, I pray right now that they would experience your face, 
That in these last two songs, they would see you more clearly than they ever have. God, do not hide your face from them. Help them to see that you are real, that you are good, that you do love them more than they could ever know in more unexpected ways than than, than they could even fathom. That they know that right now, deep in their soul, that they are loved. And God, that they fall to their knees in worship, that their soul surrenders to you, that you might lead them from this place on as they take steps of faith to know what it's like to live in your world with Jesus as their new king. God, if anybody's prayed that prayer tonight, I pray that you would seal this moment for them, that they would ask you for forgiveness of their sin, that you would tell them that it is finished, that they are clean and holy and righteous because they now know Jesus as their savior God, and that they would go tell somebody that that happened. They could come to me and tell me, and I'd love to pray for them. They could find Pastor Ryan. They could find Tyler or Andrea. would love to pray with them, God, that this night would be a night that truly changed them, that got them up off of their seat, onto their camels, heading towards you to give their life and their treasure to you. We pray that now in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who was born this day 2,000 years ago. And all God's people said, amen.